If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. If you're wondering where 2 Peter is, 2 Peter is in your New Testament, sort of in the back third of your New Testament. Uh, so near the back of your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be starting. have a powerful message to share with all of you uh, this morning. We're going to be starting with 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. And uh, you want to flip to that or scroll to that and have that ready. Uh, it's because here at Thrive, we've started something very, very exciting. Uh, it's called GLV. And as part of GLV, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Street Cred. Everyone say Street Cred. Street Cred. And if you were here last week, you were here for the launch of this exciting new series that we're doing. Street Cred is about becoming the leader that you were born to be. It's because we absolutely believe that you were born to be a leader. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born to be a leader. We absolutely believe that you were put on this earth to make a difference with your life. And that's why we're doing a series here called Street Cred. And if you're wondering what Street Cred is, here's a little definition we're using during the series for what Street Cred is. Street Cred is having a reputation for toughness. It's about being resilient, not easily giving up. It's about commanding respect from others. When people see you, they see someone that they look up to. People see, oh, you know, I, 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 don't, I might not agree with everything you say, but I respect what you do. It's because you command respect from others. You know, you might also be, we have Street Cred, yourself who's relatable. Other people, you know, enjoy spending time with you. You enjoy spending time with others. You make a difference in their lives. It's also about having resources to succeed in whatever environment that you're in. It's about having strength and experience to get you through what you're going through. You were born to be a leader with street cred. Everyone say street cred. Street cred. And in this series, one of the big themes that we've been touching on is this idea that Jesus didn't die on the cross just for you. Jesus didn't die on the cross for your sins just so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be saved, so that you could go to heaven. But the reason why Jesus died on the cross for you was so that you could make a difference in the lives of others. And that's why the moment you received Jesus or the moment you got baptized, you didn't go to heaven right away. Instead, God still keeps you on this earth because he has plans to do something with your life to make a difference in the lives of other people. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And that's why we like to say here at Thrive is that you are saved to serve. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are made to make a difference, and you are born to be a leader. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking at a born leader. Amen. Amen. You can say it with confidence because that is who you are. And if you will take to heart these lessons that we're learning in this series called Street Cred, these leadership lessons, then I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you this, is that your home is not going to be the same after this. Your marriage is not going to be the same after this. Your relationship with your kids is not going to be the same after this. Your workplace might not be the same. Your school might not be the same. Your city might not be the same after you go through the series because in this series we're learning about becoming the leader you were born to be. And we started off the series last week by talking about street cred killers. What's a street cred killer? A street cred killer is a bad habit or a character flaw that keeps you from being the leader that God needed to be. It's a bad habit or a character flaw that is almost like a lid on your ability to influence people in a positive way. And see, all of us, whether we know it or not, suffer from street cred killers. Last week, the first street cred, talk, the street cred killer that we talked about is called selfishness. Everyone say selfishness. We talk about how selfishness is this, you know, this, this way that we, that we have of just focusing so much on ourselves, being very self-centered, self-consumed, and as a result, we are blind to the needs of other people. Selfishness is a lid on your leadership. Selfishness is a street cred killer. This morning, we're going to talk about another just as important street cred killer, and we're going to do that by looking at one of the most important leadership passages in the Bible. 
One of the most important passages in the Bible that speaks on leadership is 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll be looking at that together this morning. Would you help me preach in this place this morning by helping me read God's word out loud together? 1, 2, 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. For through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and he's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, you guys have an awesome job reading scripture. Sometimes I'll, I'll preach at different churches, and if it's a longer passage, people will be really loud at verse 1, and then be very quiet at verse 10. But you guys went all the way through. Good job on you. Praise God. God's word from verse 1 to 11 is all powerful. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Good job today. And see, I want you to take you through this passage really quick because this passage is packed with truth that can change your life. And let me just go back to verse 3 right now. Read with me in a loud voice. 1, 2, 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. This is a long sentence, but what is it saying? It's saying this, is that no matter what kind of challenge you're going through right now, God's divine power is enough for you. Is that no matter what situation, what challenge, what uncertainty, what frustration, what heartbreak, what disappointment, what worry you may be facing this morning, is that God's power is enough for you. And, and that's the thing, is that no matter what situation you may be going through today, God's power is there to carry you through. Maybe there's something going on in your family right now that is just really, really tough to handle. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a relationship with your kids that's going wrong. Maybe it's a financial crisis you're dealing with. Maybe it's an uncertainty of the future. The promise of the Bible is that His divine power has given us everything we need to live the lives that God has called us to live. If you believe that, say amen. And it's not by our own strength or by our own smarts or by our own hard work that that all happens, but it's through what? It's through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through our knowledge of who Jesus is. Not just an academic knowledge, not just a philosophical knowledge, but an experiential, personal knowledge. It's a relationship with Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Is that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have power to go through whatever it is you're going through. And see, verse 4 says it this way. It says it, read, read it with me. Verse 4, it says, Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Through these, meaning God's glory and his goodness by which he's called us, he's given us great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate. Everyone say, Participate. 
in the divine nature. See, God didn't make you to be just a spectator who watches God do things in other people's lives. He made you to be a participant in the divine nature. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you become a God yourself or a mini-me God. What that means is that you experience God's power working in your weakness. That's what it means to participate in the divine nature. And how do you and I participate in the divine nature? Look at verse 4, back to verse 4. It says, through these great and precious promises. How many us know that the key to accessing God's power in your weakness, the key to accessing God's power when you're facing a great problem, is to hold on to God's promises? Amen. Amen. God's promises are our key to God's power. God's promises are our key that opens the way to the power of God working in our weakness. And so that means that for every problem that you're facing today, guess what? There is a promise in God's word to support you, to help you, to guide you, to comfort you, and to encourage you today. Maybe right now, here in the situation that you're in, you need to hear the promise that I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. It's that I'm always with you. I will never leave your side. Others may leave you. I will never leave you. That's a great and precious promise. Maybe you're here in this place and things are not going your way. You've planned and worked so hard at getting a certain result, but things still didn't happen the way you hoped. And as a result, you're, you're frustrated and you're worried about what's going to happen. The promise you need to hear is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That God is in control. That he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is his great and precious promise. Maybe you're here in this place and you feel like you are so inadequate. You feel so weak and tired and unmotivated. You feel like you don't know what to do. As a result, you're just kind of lost right now. If that's you, then the promise you need to hear is when Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. If you believe that, say amen. amen. These are God's great and precious promises. The reason why you have thousands of promises in the word of God is so that you can access God's power. God's promises are the key to God's power. Verse 5, look at it with me. What does the verse 5 say? Read it with me. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Stop right there. For this very reason, what? For this very reason. For the very reason that you were made to experience God's power. He says, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Everyone say faith. faith. Everyone say add to my faith. Add to my faith. See, you got to understand this. The thing that unites all Christians together, whether they're in Canada, in another country, doesn't matter where they are, the one thing that binds Christians together is something called faith. Not just faith generally, but faith in someone whose name is Jesus. It's the belief that every single one of us was far from God, but God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to reconcile us to God. He rose again from the grave to show that neither death nor sin has any hold over him, and that anyone who placed their trust in Jesus, they they are saved, they are forgiven, they become children of God, they become citizens of heaven. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And see, that's the faith that is the foundation of Christianity. That's the faith that binds us all together. It makes us one family. And that's whether you are, you've been a Christian for many, many years, or you just became a Christian last week. That is the faith that we all have. But how many of you guys know this? Is that in this world, not all Christians are the same. You have some Christians who are very, very loving very wise, who radiate the presence and the love of God, who've got great peace, who, who seem, seem to have this way of, of serving God humbly and, and also prospering in what they do. There's those kind of Christians. And there's also another kind of Christian, which is, you know, very, very negative, complaining, 
depressed, always, you know, like, I, I don't feel anything, I, I, I don't see anything, and, and you're just often doubting themselves, doubting God, and, and, and how many of us know that they're all Christians, they all believe in the same thing, they all have the same faith, but what distinguishes them is not faith, what distinguishes them is something called character. Everyone say character. character. And see, this is what Peter's talking about. He's saying this, he's saying that if you want to experience God's power in your life, it's not just about having faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just about believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again from the grave, but you want to add to your faith. Everyone say, add to your faith. And it's not adding more and more, you know, other things to believe, but it's actually different character traits. It talks about goodness, talks about knowledge. Keep on going. Verse 6, it says, it says, to knowledge add self-control, to self-control add perseverance, to perseverance add godliness. Keep on going. It says, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. How many of us know that your character in many ways affects how much you experience God? Is that if you, you might believe in Jesus, but if your character is you're very pessimistic all the time, you're complaining all the time, you don't have much self-control, you give up very easily, you know what, you're not going to experience very much of God at all. Because in some ways, accessing God's power is through God's promises, and some ways, accessing God's power is through godly character. If you believe that, say, amen. amen. If you don't know how to persevere in prayer, if you don't you know, diligently study God's word, that's not a habit of yours then you're not, you're not going to experience much of God at all. And see, here's the thing. The, the, the biggest leadership lesson that you can learn from this passage is this. The foundation of great leadership is great character. See, a lot of people, they think leadership is about charisma. It's about being able to you know, attract a crowd. It's about you know, having a lot of talent. But see, the, the foundation of great leadership is not charisma, it's not talent, it's not having a position or a title. The foundation of great leadership is character. Everyone say character. And if you will add to your faith the qualities, character qualities of Jesus Christ, not just believing in Jesus, but becoming more like Jesus in your character, in your attitude, in the way you look at life, in the way you speak, in the way you talk, in the way you treat others, you will be a leader who radiates the love of Jesus to others. You will be a leader with street cred. Amen. Amen. Is it someone who's got resilience? who's got a reputation for toughness, someone who commands respect from others, someone who's relatable, someone who's got resources to get through their tough times. That's what happens when you have, you just start to develop those qualities, when you start to add to your faith these things, is that you become a leader of street cred. But if you don't develop these qualities, if you never bother with them, you just come to church and you just believe what you believe, but you never bother to add anything to your faith, what's gonna happen? There's always gonna be a lid on your leadership. Look at verse nine. What does it say? It says, or look over to verse eight. Read it with me in the big loud voice. One, two, three. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, it says, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. See, here's today, we're talking about a very important leadership quality. And it's so crucial to being a leader with street cred. And it's found in verse 6. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to verse 6. And why don't you, on, in, uh, on the screen, also show it to me as well. And see, what we want to do, I want you to underline four words right now. I want you to underline on verse 6. And to self-control, perseverance. And to self-control, perseverance. Peter tells his readers, he says, I want you to add to your faith self-control, and to self-control perseverance. You know, since, you know, you know, Peter's talking a lot about, you know, spiritual math, add to your faith this, add to your faith that, I want to give you a, a, a leadership mathematical equation for you this morning. Is that okay? 
since you're all leaders in this place, and I'm also preaching at the leadership conference this morning because that's who you guys are, I want to give you a leadership equation that you need to know if you want to be a leader that God made you to be. Why don't you break this down? Consistency is the sum of self-control plus perseverance. Self-control plus perseverance equals consistency. See, self-control is the ability to rein in your passions and do the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Perseverance is keeping on doing the right thing over a long period of time. When you add self-control and perseverance, what do you get? It's something called consistency. Everyone say consistency. How many know that you were made to be a leader who is consistent? What does that mean? It means that you're a leader who does what you say. It's a, it means that you're a leader who keeps his word, you keep your promises. It means that you're someone who's steady, you're not up and down all the time so that you're hard to follow and easily shaken. You're someone who's like a rock on which God can build his kingdom. In fact, look at Hebrews 13 verse 7. This is in the message paraphrase. Why don't you read in the big loud voice, one, two, three, it says, Appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live and let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. There should be a consistency that runs through us all. Everyone say consistency. He's saying, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying that in every single person who trusts in Jesus Christ, who's a leader called by God to make a difference in this world, there should be a consistency in the way that we live. You know, when you look at some of the greatest individuals who have excelled in their craft, whether it's Michael Jordan in basketball, or Wayne Gretzky in hockey, or Mozart in classical music, or the Beatles in pop music, or Picasso, or Leonardo da Vinci when it comes to fine art, you know what makes them great? You know what makes them great is their consistency. It's not just that they had one good show, or they had one good song, or they had one good season, and then it was it. But no, it was over a, a long period of time. They would consistently produce and perform at a high level. And the same way, I'm here to tell you today, you as a leader in the kingdom of God, you were made to demonstrate consistency. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And here's the question for you this morning. How consistent are you? Because this is so crucial. This affects the quality of your relationships. It, it affects the quality of your leadership. How consistent are you? I'm gonna give you a little inconsistency quiz this morning. Because today, we're talking about the street cred killer called inconsistency. Believe it or not, when I'm inconsistent, it puts a lid on my ability to lead. And see, today, I wanna ask you, how consistent or inconsistent are you? And in case you're not really sure, let me give you a few clues to work through that you can ask yourself if you relate to them. If you relate to them, give yourself one point. Clue number one. Clue, clue number one is this. Is there are important things that I know I should do regularly that I actually don't do very regularly at all. That I actually do them very irregularly. Maybe it's brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Maybe that's, hopefully not, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, you know, praying with your kids. You know, oh, that's important for, it's important for me to do, but I, I rarely do it. Maybe it's about exercise and, and eating healthy. Maybe it's about appreciating and thanking the people in your life. Like, oh yeah, I, I should do that. I know I should do that regularly, but I, I do that, you know, every special occasion only. Maybe it's, it's something else, but there's something important that you know you should do regularly that for some reason you don't do very regularly at all. If that's you, give yourself one point. Clue number two. Sometimes I'm very responsible and on top of things, but at other times, I can be very irresponsible and forgetful. You have these weeks where you're very much on top of things. You're just like on the go and everything's going well. Then there's other weeks when you just, you mean, you just seem to be trailing behind and people have to remind you of what you have to do and, and you're not really on the ball. You're kind of lazy during those times. If that's you, give yourself a point. Clue number three, I don't always keep my word. 
is that my words and my actions don't always match. Sometimes I pull back on my promises. Sometimes I don't keep my commitments. If that's you, give yourself a point. Clue number four, I wish I could say that when it comes to my responsibilities, others can count on me for a wholehearted effort and a job well done every time, but I can't say that. I can't. If that's you, and you have to be honest with yourself, give yourself a point is that, you know, maybe 70% of the time you do your best and you do a good job, but there's a 30% where you're just kind of like, oh, and you kind of drag your feet. Sometimes you don't even show up. If that's you, give yourself a point. Number five, I have a history of backing out or giving up after saying yes to something. Is that you have a tough time with commitment. Is that you, you like to bounce from one place to another, from one friend or set of friends to another set of friends, from, from one church, and you, know, you were so excited about that church at one time, and then you start going, oh, no, maybe I'll go to this church, and then, and then, when, and then at first it's so exciting, and then, and then that kind of loses its luster, and then you go to another church, you just keep on bouncing, one church to another, one place to another, one club to another, one team to another, you know, one, one wife to another, one husband to another, one boyfriend to another, one, you know, and, and, and that's just this, 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 this history of you know, just kind of bouncing, backing out, giving up after saying yes. Clue number six, I change directions and plans a lot. First you want to go this way, then you want to go that way. And if there's nothing wrong with changing your plans, but if you're someone who does that so often that you know, people kind of come to expect it, where like, first you want to be a doctor, then you want to go to the moon, and then, then you want to go to missions, and then you want to be a pop star. It's just, it just, it just kind of, you're just all over the place. You're almost like that, that song that Katy Perry used to sing, which is like, you're, you're, you're hot, then you're cold, right? You're hot, then you're cold. You're yes, then you're no. You're in, then you're out. You're, you're up, and then you're down. You're here, then you're gone. It's, just, it's kind of like, it's really hard to keep track of because you're changing directions a lot. If that's you, give yourself a point. Clue number seven, this is for Christians, is that my passion for God seems to fluctuate greatly depending on the season that I'm in. Is that, you know, maybe you know, in, in one particular year, you're so hot for God, you're so passionate, you're seeking God's face, you're just, oh God, you're all that I want, you're all that I need, I just wanna live for you, I wanna live my life for you, I wanna, I wanna do everything for you, and then next year, you're just kind of in a completely different place, and you're just kind of living for yourself, and you're, you're kind of doing your own thing, and it's kind of like, what happened? And then maybe the next year, you come back to God, oh yeah, God, I'm so into you, and then, and then next year, you're not, and it's kind of go back and forth that way. If that's you, give yourself a point. Clue number Number eight, I allow mood swings to significantly alter the way I perform my duties and the way I treat others. Is that you know, sometimes I'm so nice and warm to the people around me, my family, you know, the people I work with. Sometimes I'm not nice, I'm as cold as ice. And I'm just like, you know, I give people the evil eye, the silent treatment, I'm grumpy, you know, I, I kind of just talk the like, grumbling kind of way and just not really happy. And, and, just, and, and when you arrive to work, when you go home, people aren't really sure which version they're gonna get. Are they gonna get happy you, or are they gonna get really grumpy you? Are they gonna get really patient you, or are they gonna get really irritable you? Are they gonna get very hardworking and responsible you, or are they gonna get lazy and irresponsible you? They don't really know which one it is. And see, if you're here today and you can say you can relate to a few of these, then don't get me wrong, I'm not here to beat you up this morning. I'm not here to tell you, oh yeah, you know, uh, you, know you, you and only you are the only inconsistent one here. Not at all. The fact is, we all struggle in some area with inconsistency. If you believe us, say amen. amen. And the fact is this. It's our inconsistency that led Jesus to the cross. 
It's why we need Jesus. It's because none of us with 100% consistency ever obeyed God fully. None of us with 100% consistency ever did everything that God wanted us to do. And that's why we need a Savior. His name is Jesus. Jesus came and he filled in the gaps where we couldn't make it. In fact, we couldn't get even close. So God sent Jesus Christ to do it all for us. And then he died on the cross. And all of our inadequacies, all the ways we fell short, he nailed it all to, uh, to, to himself on the cross. Every time we lied, every promise we broke, every time we broke a person's heart, Every time we made a mistake, all of those things were placed on Jesus at the cross so that we could be forgiven. If you love God for doing that, give God a big, big hand, a big shout in this place right now, because that's the way that God loves you and me. Aren't you glad that whether we are consistent or inconsistent, God loves us the same? Amen? Amen. Is that God loves us consistently even when we are very inconsistent. You don't need to be consistent to be loved by God. In fact, there's nothing you could do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you less. He just loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Your consistency doesn't change God's love. But let me tell you where consistency matters. It's from a leadership perspective. Consistency is crucial. From a leadership perspective, when it comes to living out the calling that God has for your life, leadership is, is, is when it comes to the level of leadership, consistency matters a great deal. And in fact, when you're not consistent, it's a street cred killer. How is that? Well, let me give you a couple ways that inconsistency can be a street cred killer. Number one, why don't you write this down? Inconsistency hurts your credibility. Is that when you're inconsistent, when you say one thing, you do another. When you, you know, you know, you're really on top of things one season, you're really not on top of things another season. When you're hot for God one season, really cold for God the next. When, 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 you, when you do those things, when you're inconsistent, it affects your credibility. It affects how people see you. It affects how much people will want to invest in you, or trust you, or believe in you, or follow you. And whatever you say, if you're inconsistent, they will take with a grain of salt going, uh, I don't know, because your words and your actions don't always match. And as a result, it, it hurts your credibility. On the other hand, when you're consistent, you build credibility. Amen. That's probably one of the reasons why McDonald's is the number one restaurant company after years and years and years. It's not because they're necessarily the most healthy company, but they're the most consistent company. Amen. Is that you go there and by and large, you can expect to get what you ordered at any location around the world, no matter what country you're in. It's because consistency creates credibility. When people like it, when they know what they can expect from you, it, it causes you to have credibility. There's a second reason why inconsistency is a street cred killer. I want you to write this down. Inconsistency gives people around you a sense of instability. Inconsistency results in instability. Is that when you're in a when I'm in a good mood one day and without explanation the next day I'm just in an awful mood. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm just mad. I'm mad. I'm 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 I'm, I'm lashing out at everyone. When, when 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 I show up one week and then I show up the next week and then I don't show up the next week and the next week and the next week after that there's that inconsistency and when people see me at best they're gonna have some reservations going oh you know I, I gotta watch you a little bit more. At worst if it's an inconsistent goes on for a really long time, people will stop depending on you. They'll be like, you know what, I don't want to follow this person, I don't want to depend on this person, I don't want to invest in this person, I don't want to promote this person, I don't want to build on this person because this person is unstable. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And you know, but on the other hand, when you're consistent, it gives the people around you a sense of ah, security. 
They can all of a sudden feel like they can relax a bit when they're around you because they know that if it's in your hands, it's gonna get done right. You know, for example, kids. How many of you guys know that kids, our children, need stable, consistent parents? Amen. And, and, and that can't be taken, that rule can't be taken by a teacher or a pastor or a small group leader or a daycare nanny or anyone else. They need consistent parents who are present, who are there with them because that consistency creates stability. That consistency creates security. On the other hand, if, if those parents are gone all the time and, and, and they're not around or they're inconsistent, sometimes they're here and then they're gone. Or sometimes they're really, really nice and then they're just really, really mad and really, really strict. And sometimes they just they make a decision to, to, to do this way, but then in the same situation, another time they do it another way. There's the inconsistency. As a result, the kid is not going to feel like, oh, life is exciting. Life is a roller coaster. Life is an adventure. He's going to feel like life is unstable. And he's not going to look to you for stability. He's going to look to someone else for that stability. If you believe that, say amen. And that's why. Consistency is so very important. Let me ask this question today. What is one area of your life where you need to be more consistent? What is one area of your life where consistency is maybe an issue right now? And as a result, your credibility may be taking a hit. Or as a result, there's a bit more instability in a relationship or in that environment than you'd like there to be. See, more than ever before, people need stable, consistent leaders in their home, in their workplace, in their church, in their school, in their city, people who practice what they preach, people who do what they say, people who keep their word, people who can be trustworthy with what they've been given. If you believe that, say amen. And see, how do you become a more consistent leader? How do you minimize inconsistency in your life? You, you may, maybe feel like, just like we talked about with selfishness, that maybe inconsistency is a battle you've been you know, going on for a long, long time. You, you might feel like you know, Captain America and the Avengers right now. You feel like you're, doing a, you're fighting an infinity war against inconsistency right now in your life. If that's you, how do you overcome inconsistency? Let me end today. Has this been helpful this morning? Yes. Let me give you just two or three suggestions on how you and I can overcome inconsistency. Why don't you write this down? Number one is make consistency your concern. Make consistency your concern. In other words, make it a priority. Second Peter 1, 5 and 6 says it this way. Can you read with me a loud voice? Second Peter 1, 5 and 6. Okay, do we have, I'll read it here. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, self-control, and perseverance. Everyone say, make every effort to add to your faith, self-control, and perseverance. Make every effort. See, Peter, he's saying, make every effort. Keep in mind who is writing this verse. It's Peter. He's one of the first of Jesus' disciples. He's one of the most famous of Jesus' disciples. But especially at the very beginning, he was also probably the most inconsistent of Jesus' disciples. You can call Peter Mr. Inconsistent. See, no one was more famous for his mistakes than Peter was. You know, Peter, in one day, he will say, Jesus, you know, I don't care if anyone else leaves you. I will never leave you. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And then that same night, he denies him three times. It's just unstable. Unstable. You know, at, at, at certain points, he's, he's, he's speaking good things that are blessing Jesus. At other points, Jesus has to go, I'm sorry, uh, Peter, Satan, rebuke you right now. Like, there's, this there's this instability in Peter. And, and see, here's the thing. How did Peter go from being Mr. Inconsistent 
to becoming what Jesus calls the rock on which I will build my church. Well, 2 Peter chapter 1, 5, and 6 gives us a clue. It's make every effort to add to your faith. Everyone say make every effort. In other words, Peter became consistent, not by accident, but he actually tried to become more consistent. He already had faith, but he said, I'm gonna add to that self-control and perseverance. I'm gonna add to that consistency. See, all of us, we wanna be consistent. I think deep down, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I wanna be consistent. No, no, nothing wrong with that, I wanna be consistent. But see, you know, like no, no one wakes up and goes, oh, this morning I really hope I'm very inconsistent. You know, no one prays, oh God, make me more inconsistent. No one prays that. But see, why is it that some of us struggle, struggle with it? It's because on one hand, we want to be consistent, but on the other hand, we want something more. Maybe it's on one hand, I want to come to church consistently on a Sunday morning, but on the other hand, I love my bed. <laughs> On one hand, I, I want to I be such a good husband to my wife, and I want to you know, shower her with love and, and make her feel so cherished and treasured every single day. But on the other hand, I love, I love my TV. I love my phone. You know, I, I love my Facebook. I, I love working out. I love spending out with friends. I, I, I'm tired. I, I, I love, I, 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 I love you know, giving myself an easier time. And, and as a result, the, the desire to be consistent is overcome by something bigger. And see, here's the thing. What I want you to learn is this, write this down. Consistency doesn't just happen. You have to fight for consistency. You know, it just doesn't come the kind of, oh, I feel so consistent today. It doesn't just happen, but you have to fight for it. In fact, when you compare leaders who are consistent and steady and stable with leaders who are very inconsistent and not steady and not stable, you're going to find this, is that, I'm going to show you a little diagram here, is that you might have inconsistent leaders on one side, consistent leaders on the other side, and that's what we see on the surface. That's what we see, oh, this person didn't show up again. Oh, this person's always there. This person didn't keep their promise again. This person always keeps their promise. And this is the thing, very often we never kind of look and see what's hiding beneath the surface. See what's hiding beneath the surface? Let me show you what's hiding beneath the surface. Is that for inconsistent leaders, there's a passivity when it comes to consistency. They're like, oh yeah, it'd be nice if we're consistent, but there's something more important, is that I'm just, I just wanna relax right now. Or, you know, it'll happen if it happens, oh, oh yeah, we'll see. And, but for consistent leaders, there's an aggressiveness, there's, there's an intentionality, where like, you know what, I'm gonna fight to make us consistent. I'm gonna make sure, even if I have to spend a bit more energy and sweat a little bit more, I'm gonna make sure that we are consistent in this area. It's because the behavior above the surface is fueled by a different kind of attitude under the surface. If you believe us, say amen. And so that's why, you know, people who are inconsistent, they'll tend to, you know, be driven by their feelings a lot. Well, I, I don't feel like doing it, so I'm not. And so there's inconsistency. Or they blame their circumstances and they don't take responsibility. And so as a result, a lot of stuff just doesn't get done consistently. But for someone who's consistent, they're like, you know what? I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how tired I am. I'm just going to make a way to make it happen. An aggressive approach to Consistency. Every day, it's about making the choice to be consistent. You know, there's a basketball player called Andre Drummond, and uh, he has only been in the NBA for a few years. But at 6'11", he's almost seven feet tall. At 279 pounds, that's about twice my weight. In case you wanted to know, um, Andre is one of the most powerful dunkers in the NBA. If you have a, if you have, give him a basketball and he's right underneath the net, <gasps> oh, powerful dunks. But see, one of the things about Andre Drummond's basketball game 
and I shouldn't talk because I'm a really bad basketball player, but think what, what Andre Drummond is known for, probably more than anything, is his inconsistency when it comes to free throw shooting. That's what free throw shooting is. It's where you get to stand at a line and you get to shoot two free baskets and everyone just watches. And for some reason, when he's in the middle of the action, he's got the ball right underneath the net, he can just go, ah! But when he's by himself, no one's in front of him, and he's got, it's just him and the basket, and he takes that basket and he goes, uh, uh. And, 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 and he had a very low percentage. They said about maybe three times out of 10, he would make that shot, about 30%, which is very, very low for someone who's being paid $22 million to do that. And, and, and see, here's the thing, is that people would ridicule him for it. His coaches and his teammates, even his fans, were always very on edge every time that you know, Andre got the ball to shoot a free throw. They were like, oh no, what's gonna happen? And in fact, you know, opposing teams, they even had the strategy. Where, you know what they do? Is that when the, the, the game is almost done and, 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 and the score is very tight, they would intentionally foul Andre so that he has to go and shoot a basket because they're like, oh, he's not gonna score. They called it hacking Andre. But that, 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 that was their strategy. And, and see, you know, Andre became so frustrated with his inconsistency that his confidence would take a hit. He wouldn't want to get the ball and dunk anymore. He would just kind of, kind of stand to the side. His, 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 his trainers and his coaches would have to take him out of the game because they thought, oh, he, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna get it done. They had lost confidence in him too. But then over this past summer, Andre, he decided to make consistency his concern. And he spent thousands and thousands of hours with his trainer working on just this one action. And he just did it over and over for thousands of hours. And he became, or started working on becoming a more consistent free throw shooter. And this past season, he doubled his free throw shooting percentage and people stopped laughing. All of a sudden people were like, oh no. People weren't saying that anymore. People were like, oh man, he's going to fly. He's gonna score for us again. And his teammates even said this. It says, they noticed a change in his consistency. And it said, it changes Andre's confidence because now he's not afraid to be strong and go at the rim and try to dunk on people or finish through people because he's not afraid of the three throw line anymore. I think it's going to really change things for us. And as of right now, he might be our best free throw shooter here right now. And see, what does that show? It's that because he made it a point to make consistency his concern, he was able to become a more consistent player. How about you? Here's a question for you. In that area where you are struggling with consistency, how much is it a concern for you? Or is it, oh, if it happens, it happens. If I'm not consistent, ugh. It's just the way it is. But here's the thing, if you want to minimize consistency, if you want to not allow credibility and stability to be affected because of inconsistency, it's about saying, I'm gonna make consistency my concern. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 with you. What reading loud voice, one, two, three, it says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Hey, folks, you're a bit more quiet. Come, let, let's be consistent. Amen. Amen. Okay, consistent. Verse 26, 1, 2, it says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, what is Paul saying? He's saying, you know what? I'm not going to let my feelings and my body dictate 
how consistent I am. I'm gonna beat my body and make it my slave so that I can consistently do what God has called me to do. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Consistency will never happen until you make the choice to be consistent. No one can make that choice for you. And that means this coming week, if you make a promise, keep it. If you say you'll do something, do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the God and me experience, not the God and me experience, but the GLV sign up. When you sign up, please don't just sign up. Please go and do it. Amen. It's about consistency. It's about consistency. If you sign up for something, you do it because it's about consistency. If you have a responsibility, you say, hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it on time. Tell a person to give them a high and say, make consistency your concern. Say that right now. Amen. Amen. Number two, say no when necessary. You know, sometimes the reason why we're inconsistent is not because we're not trying. Sometimes the reason why we're inconsistent is because we're trying to do too much. Has that ever happened to you before? Is that you, you just have so many people you want to please, so many things that you want to do, that you just got too much and you can't deliver consistently on any one thing anymore. That happened to me once. You know, um, I'd say maybe six or seven years ago, uh, I was uh, you know, still working uh, as a business lawyer, helping you know, people buy businesses and get to those kind of transactions, drafting documents for them and all that stuff. And uh, I remember it was December, we were planning our Christmas service. Christmas is one of the biggest events of the year for us at Thrive. And I remember it was the Thursday before our Christmas service. There's a couple days away. And I'm in a boardroom at some other office and I'm closing this business deal that's worth you know, a bit of money. And I remember, you know, it was just very, very stressful. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of documents to do, a lot of people to talk, a lot of negotiations to have. And I remember we finally closed the deal. And I remember I was, you know, asking for the, the, the purchaser, the person who was gonna buy the business. And, you know, I remember the seller's lawyer, they gave me their check. It had this big amount for that business. And, uh, and, uh, we, uh, and, and we, we, took, we, we took it, sorry, I was working for the seller. And, uh, and, and, and the purchaser's lawyer gave us, the, gave us that check. And, uh, and I remember, you know, I, I put it into the file, and I thought, oh, thank God, we're done. I can go and focus on, you know, the, 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 the sermon now. I can go focus on the other stuff I have to do for the church service now. And I remember I, I walked back to my office. It's snowing super hard. I walked back to the office. I go to my desk. I open up all the papers to kind of get everything sorted out, and I can't find the check. I can't find the check. And I'm like, I look everywhere for the check. I, I, I start you know, looking around the office, maybe I dropped it somewhere and, and, and it's gone. And I, I look around for the check and, and, I, and, I, and I go, and I'm like, oh my goodness, where's the check? Where's the check? And, and you know what? On that night, I remember uh, like at about 10 p.m. at night, I am walking on number three road, looking in the snow for this lost check. And, and I'm stressed out. I'm thinking to myself, not only is this going on, but we've got a, cer a Christmas service just two days later. And I thought, well, where is the check? And, and, I, I, and, and finally, you know, the next morning, I couldn't reach the other side. I said, hey, can you guys put a stop payment on that check right away? Because for some reason, there's no check. I can't find it. They put a stop payment on it. Praise God, we managed to find the check eventually. But, you know, I learned a lesson from that situation. Actually, two lessons. Number one, when you receive that check, staple it into your file. Yeah? That's the first lesson I learned. The second lesson I learned is this is that sometimes to maintain a level of consistency, you need to say no to less important things so that you can say yes to more important things. Amen. Sometimes to maintain a level of consistency, sometimes it requires that you say no so that you can say yes to something more important. 
And I remember, you know, praise God, we still went through the service, but in my mind, at the back of my mind, I thought to myself, I never want to put myself in that kind of situation again. I just had way too many people to please. And so I had to make some adjustments to the way that I worked. And see, I believe this, better to do a few things consistently well than to do many things in a very inconsistent way. Amen? 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 Here's a question for you. What is something that you need to say no to these days? Not because it's not a good thing, but simply because it's keeping you from the best things. Maybe it's sleeping late. As much as you love to go on YouTube, as much as you love playing that video game, maybe it's saying, you know what? My, my health, my liver, my energy the next day are more important, and I need to say yes to those things. So I'm going to say no to Super Mario Odyssey today. Amen. It's, it's saying, you know, I, what, what is it I need to say no to? That maybe it's that extra project that someone's asking me to do. Maybe it's that extra club that I want to attend. Maybe it's that extra thing that I'm supposed to be part of. Maybe it's something where I need to say no so I can say yes to more important things. Sometimes the reason why we're not consistent is because we didn't say no. Peter, the reason why he went from Mr. Inconsistent to the rock on which God built his church is because he became less and less concerned about pleasing so many people. Less and less concerned about, oh, I'm looking good in front of others. Less and less concerned about, you know, pleasing other people. He's just, you know, I'm just going to please Jesus. I'm going to say no to these other things so I can say yes to Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Number three, we're going to close. If you want to reduce inconsistency in your life, the last thing is draw near to Jesus. Because how many of us know that no one is more consistent than Jesus is? No one is more faithful than Jesus is. Jesus is the essence of consistency. Amen. That almost sounds like a perfume, hey? Chanel presents essence of consistency. <laughs> Jesus is the essence of consistency. In fact, Hebrews 13.8 says it this way. Read it with me, loud voice. What does it say? It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Read Psalm 105. What does it say? It says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Read the next one. Read the next one. It says, Psalm 119, it says, your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Last one, Psalm 15, verse 4. Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. See, Psalm 15 is talking, at the end of the day, it's talking about Jesus. It says, who may stand in the presence of God? Jesus alone was the one who did it perfectly. And he kept his oath, even when it hurts. He was consistent, even when it had to kill him. And see, Paul, the greatest demonstration of consistency was the night before Jesus went to the cross. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's struggling because he's like, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to, you know, have to be nailed to a cross. He doesn't want to be humiliated. He doesn't want to lose his life. And he just says at the end, not my will, but yours be done, Father. And it's because he wants to be consistent with the goal and the mission of his life, which is to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus died on the cross, and when he died, it was not only the most unselfish act we've ever seen, it was also the most consistent act we've ever seen. Jesus kept his oath, even when it hurts. Aren't you glad we are loved by an amazing God who loves us faithfully and consistently, even when it hurts? Come on, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give him a big shout as well, because that's the way that God loves you. Come on. Amen. In the same way, the more you draw close to Jesus, the more his consistent, faithful, stable character starts to rub off on you as well. 
When you have a relationship with Jesus and you draw near to Jesus, you stand in his presence, you worship, you sit down, you wait on him, you spend time with him, you get to know him, you read the Bible, you pray, you spend time with others who love him as well. All of a sudden you find there's a strength, there's a stability, there's a steadfastness, there's a consistency that starts to fill your heart because you're walking closely with the most consistent one. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now because that's how he does it for you and for me. Last verse for today, we're going to close. Hebrews 10, 23 to 24. Could you read it with me in that voice? 1, 2, 3, it says, Hebrews 10, 23 to Read it with me. 1, 2, 3, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Would you stand to your feet, church? Would you stand to your feet? Would you give God some praise in this place for being our consistent, faithful, steady God who loves us unselfishly, who loves us consistently? Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout together right now. Come on. We're going to respond to God this morning by giving God some praise. And I'm going to lead you in prayer. Praise God. You guys have been a great audience this morning. Praise God. Let's continue to participate in worshiping Jesus together. I want to invite you to respond to God's word this morning. Today we've been talking about street cred, about being leaders who are unselfish and leaders who are consistent. We learned today that consistent leaders are credible leaders. Consistent leaders are stable leaders. Just as Jesus is consistent, he calls us to be consistent as well. And if you're here in this place and you realize that you struggle in this area of consistency, if you realize that there's an area of your life where you need to be more consistent and you want to be more consistent, you want to ask God for his help to be more consistent in that area. Maybe it's in your home, maybe it's at work, maybe it's in regards to another relationship in your life. Then why don't you just raise your hand to heaven today. And we're going to call upon God and his help to help you be the consistent leader that you were born to be. To help you be the steady leader that you were born to be. To help you be that stable leader that you were born to be. I want you to raise your hands to heaven right now. Just raise it with your, don't wait for me to count to three. Just raise your hand right now. And just start talking to God. Don't worry about your neighbor right now, what they're doing or what they're saying. You just start talking to God right now. And just say, God, I want to be stable like you. I want to be consistent like you. Why don't you start talking to God right now from your heart? Can you do that right now, church? Just start talking to God this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
my consistent one, my steady lover, the one who's always there and who never gives up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God a big hand and a big shout in this place together right now?